Good morning, everybody. You know, we never know how God is going to move, do we? I'm so glad that God doesn't follow our script. Amen? Amen. <laughs> but we follow his, the leading of the spirit of God. As we prepare our hearts and mind to go before the Lord this morning, I want you to think about nearly 3,500 years ago on the plains of Jericho. Israel, the only nation on earth, had experienced God's moving power in such a miraculous and wonderful way. Not only had they saw God turn water into blood and even brought in a darkness that was so fearful upon God's enemies. And yet when God brought them out with his mighty hands out of the land of Egypt, something else happened on that journey. On that journey from Egypt, the enemy decided that I'm going to go get them. And I'm going to destroy every man, woman, and born girl of Israel. But you see, God also knew that Pharaoh and his army would chase the children of Israel. Why am I saying this to you today? Because God knows your enemy. And God knows exactly who's pursuing us. No one had ever heard of a sea opening up and water standing up on both sides. And I can just see the fish in that water as the children of Israel stepped into the dry bed of that sea and they began to just magnify God in their own way. And when they reached the distant shore, the enemy was still in hot pursuit. But yet God had a plan. A plan that God had initiated long before he ever created the nation of Israel. God saw this moment. And he knew he was going to destroy the greatest army on earth that day. So as the children of Israel was gathering on the distant shore, the presence of God was overwhelmingly with them. And yet there was another powerful force chasing and, and God said, I'm just going to say it in Sammy Nelson vernacular, I've had enough of this. <laughs> and he spoke in the Red Sea, heard his voice and said, yes, master, what is it you want me to do for you? And God said, kill them all. All right, I don't want to be doing the Jane Brown up here. <laughs> but anyway, understand that the presence of God was with Israel. And when they reached that distant shore, something happened that had never happened on the face of the earth. And this is what we need to glean from it today. God had promised a man, Moses, that I will always be with you. And that day, the mighty father came down from heaven in the form of a cloud. And for the next 
40 years. Come on, church, you got to understand this. Because there was Jesus in the cloud. For the next four years, Jesus was with the children of Israel. He knew them a lot greater than they knew themselves. He was the one who created them. And whenever night would fall, he was their night watchman. Whenever daylight would come, he was their guide. There was no place in which the children of Israel did not have the presence of their God. And let me tell you, when the Almighty is with you, the word will get out. And we're going to see this today in Joshua chapter 5. And as the man Moses was doing the work of God, understand this. God had him raising up a successor to take his place. And his name is Joshua. His real name, by the way, is Hoshea. It was Moses who started calling him Yeshua. Isn't that something? Because Moses saw something in this young man that the rest of the nation of Israel did not see. And as we look at this today, as you prepare your hearts to see God in the spirit, understand this important thing that's going on with Joshua. Joshua was a young man at this time. And he loved God with all of his heart, with all of his might, and everything within him, he loved God. That's a call for you young folks out there, especially you young men right now. Because the world is pulling on our young men like crazy, whether you're white or black, it doesn't matter. Satan wants your soul. Here's what we can understand from this right off the bat. The Bible tells us that Joshua, he wasn't from the priestly tribe, but yet he stayed in the tabernacle. He was from the tribe of Ephraim. He wasn't a mighty man like Moses, and yet God said, yes, you are. He was a humble servant. The Bible said that whatever Moses told him to do, he did it. And he was one of the few and only men, the Bible will tell you that he was one of the choice men of Moses. But yet he was young. So the Spirit of God was upon this young man in an early stage of his life. No one knew that God was raising up a warrior. Amen. Come on, somebody. That God was raising a warrior out of the dust of Egypt. Amen. And God is still raising warriors today. Amen. He has not changed his mind. Let me tell you, don't look at Jesus as being passive. You better look at him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is a man of war. Amen. When he come back, it's not Mary. Mary had a little lamb. Amen. He's the conquering rider on the white horse out of Revelation. And he's going to conquer 
the world in ways in which the world had never seen. One man, the Bible tells us, especially Paul to his letter in the, you know, as he's writing to the church in Thessalonica, he says that the glory of Christ is going to destroy his enemies. That's some glory, amen? amen. It wasn't a carpenter's son that they're going to be seeing. It is the Almighty God that they're going to be seeing. Amen. Are anybody happy today? Am I the only one? Because I'm here to tell you when we enter into this secret place of the Most High, it's the man Moses. Some think Moses wrote Psalms 91 because they think it's a continuation of Psalms 90. But the writer of that Psalm says, He who will do what? Enter into the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of who? The Almighty. Oh, somebody know it up here. And it's a child. That's what Joshua learned to do at a young age. In Exodus chapter 33, we see that the man Joshua, after the servant of the Lord Moses, would leave the tabernacle. The Bible tells you and I that Joshua would stay behind and that he would not leave the tabernacle, otherwise the tent place of God. He dwelled in the presence of God as much as he could. And Joshua himself didn't know what God was doing with him. But God had plans for that brother. And as we're getting ready to enter into this sacred place before our father, Understand what God is about to do here today in you. You got to understand the name Joshua or the name Yeshua. What does that mean to you today? Because 3,500 years ago, that name meant that God was going to save, that Yahweh was coming to save, and God has not changed his mind. Amen. He's still saving today. So what does that mean for you today? As you look at the message today from God, I didn't prepare this sermon. It was prepared thousands of years before I was born. All I'm going to do is preach it with the help of the Holy Ghost. Joshua meets Joshua on the battlefield. And that's what you got to see today. That you're, in, you're on the battlefield of life for your Lord. And today in the spirit, oh glory to God, you are going to meet Joshua. The same Joshua that Joshua met 3,500 years ago is here waiting to meet you now. That's why you came. You come to see the majestic glory of Yeshua. Are you ready for that? Come on. Glory, hallelujah. Get ready to go into the presence of Yeshua. Amen. Every head bow. Father, what a great blessing it is that you have opened up the gates of heaven. 
Lord Jesus, your word tells us that you are the gate of heaven. You are the door to God. And right now in your name, we, your children, have come to your gate. And we come, Lord God, because we want to meet you. We want to see you face to face in the spirit. And your Holy Spirit is here with us to usher us into your holy presence, God. And we're asking you, Lord Jesus, to do what only you can do. Regulate our minds right now. Steadfast our minds on you. Lord, let us forget about yesterday and let us not worry about tomorrow, but to focus on you right now, Lord. And Lord, we want to say, <laughs> who are you for? Are you for us or our adversaries? But we know the truth of that statement, of that question. We know that you are for us. When you stretch your arms wide on Golgotha, you were demonstrating to the world that you are for us. And so we're here, Lord, into your presence to magnify and to glorify your holy name, Father. There only, there's only but one God, and that's you. There's only one Savior, and that's you. And we submit now, oh God, to your will. Jesus, cover us in your presence. Bring us under the shadow of your wings and allow your spirit to cover us. Have your way in our midst, Lord. Somebody here need to feel your presence, God. Someone here need to know that you're a way maker. Someone here today need to know that you're a healer. Someone here today need to know that you are a deliverer. Someone here today need to know that you stand on your word. And so, Father, will you manifest yourself now to your children? As we go into the theater of life 3,500 years ago, and we're standing on the plains of Jericho, and we're watching this event take place, and we're watching your glory come upon your people Israel and upon your servant, your son, Yeshua. Now by your spirit, speak for your children are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. and amen. In the Lord good, amen. amen. The Lord is mighty. And God, the Bible teaches us that God is a man of war. Amen? amen. Now, what you're about to see from God's holy word is that God is going to stop with the cloud. God is about to stop with the fire. And God is about to stop with the manna. That angel food that comes from heaven every morning, six days a week. And what you're going to see is that God 
by this great man is going to transition a people to stand alone and to walk in faith. Hello, somebody. That's the purpose. It took, not that it took God, but God used 40 years to grow a nation of people into a people that is going to depend upon him and him alone. Amen. And God has not changed his mind, folks. When Jesus came, Jesus demonstrated, just as God did with the pillar of cloud during the day and the pillar of power by night. Jesus demonstrated with his presence on earth. This is what I want you to do. And this is how I want you to be. That's what God was demonstrating with Israel. If they got too close to the fire, they got what? They got burned. But the fire was evidence that God is holy. Amen. And he wants a holy people. Amen. Amen. Israel was to be set aside as the nation on earth, God's model nation. There's a lot of smart people in here today. And you know, when you have a hypothesis and you're going to write something great, and yet you have several hypotheses. So you're going to choose the best hypothesis. And then academically, you call that a paradigm. Amen. And you take that paradigm and you write on it and you focus your thoughts and you let people know that you know what you're talking about. Amen. Amen. Jesus is God's paradigm. Back 3,500 years ago, he's going to show up and he's going to show up huge. Why is this important for you all to know? Understand this. Jericho was the most fortified city in the land of Canaan. In fact, they didn't have one like it in Egypt. This city stood alone and it was situated at a crossroad that the main road that came up out of Egypt was called the Transjordanian International Highway. And it came on up through the plains of Jericho and it intersected with the Wadi Kelt, the road that brought folks from Jericho on up to Jebus. Jebus, you know today as Jerusalem. And it was also important because there was the Jordan River. If you was coming up out of the Negev, which is the, the, the arid desert where things were really hot and dry, you wanted to be refreshed by the time you reached where? Jericho. So there was the Jordan River at the crossroads. And yet Israel... A brand new nation on earth. A ragtime army in the United States can equate to that. Under George Washington, we were not yet a good unified nation, nor did we have a well-trained what? Army. But we depended on God. Thank God for George Washington, who was a praying man. Regardless, you can pick anybody character apart. But the man knew God. Here, the children of Israel, 40 years in the wilderness. You say, that's a long time to shake the dust off somebody. Yes, it is. 
But God knows what he's doing with you and with who? With me. Just like he did with Israel. And let me tell you something. Uh, Deacon Clinton, can you get that AC, please? <clears throat> let me tell you this. There's, you're not here today by coincidence, folks. You're here because the spirit of the living God brought you here so that you can hear the word of God. Amen. Why? Because God has a message for you. Just like he would say several hundred years into the future with his prophet Jeremiah, I know my plans that I have for what? For you. Now, a lot of people love that verse, right? But do they understand the rest of the message? That Judah was about to go through pure hell. And yet God said, even through captivity, I know my plans that I have for you. Israel, on the plains of Jordan, God knew his plans that he had for Israel. And that day, God wanted the man of God to do something special. We're going to go to the word of God now. And we're going to see what the father's hand is doing with the nation of Israel. And with this young leader named Joshua. And oh, by the way, Moses is dead. You hear me? Folks, God will remove all of our leaders out of our way someday. Eventually, he's going to move who? Us. Out of the way. You young kids are not going to be young forever. Some of you are going to look like Mr. David. Some of you are going to look like me. Amen? Life is going to change, and it's not going to be business as usual for you. But the enemy's tactics against you are not going to change. Just like Jericho, the people of Jericho knew who was out there in the plains. They knew that there was a nation out there and they had the real God on their side. Because they were shaking in their boots. I can't say boots. They're sandals. Amen. It was shaking. So let's go into the word of God. God wants you to know his backdrop to every story in the Bible. Because when you grab a hold of it, you're able to understand what the Father is saying to you. And each time God presents his word to you, he is telling it down just for you so that you don't leave here and say, uh, I don't know what that preacher said. Do you? <laughs> but you will know. Amen. Joshua chapter five. It's the first J in the Bible. Got that boys? The first J in the Bible. So there was enemies on both sides of Israel and I'll be preaching for three hours today. <laughs> so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and, on, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were, were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over. Notice the language is given in the word of God. Joshua was writing from the per first person. He said, until we had crossed over. 
other words, the enemy knew what our God was doing in our presence. Does the enemy know what God is doing in your presence today? Is your life enough evidence to show the world out there that Jesus Christ is working in your life today? If not, then we need to go back to Gidgal, and we're going to see why. Okay? Listen. So they knew that, and Joshua said, until we had crossover, that their hearts did what? Melted. God is able to take the most vulnerable enemy and do what with his heart? Make it very weak and faint-hearted. I've seen strong men in the face of, the, uh, of our enemies melt like wax and run like cowards. I've seen it. When we was in Desert Storm and, and our tanks was fighting and, and at that time the Iraqi army supposed to have some of the top Soviet Union tanks and our M1 Abrams popped their turret like bottle caps and we saw the enemy tracks going across the desert while their tanks were still running. And folks, it wasn't because of something we did. It was because of something that God had did. Okay? They had us outnumbered, one million to 600,000. And that was with our allies. We should have never won that battle. But God was on our side, just like he was with Israel. You hear me? There are some things that's going on in your lives right now, and you think that you're greatly outnumbered. But I'm here to tell you that God is on your side. Amen. And so their hearts melted and there were no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. When it says that there was no spirit left in them, that means they had become what? Weak. Weak in heart. They no longer had the courage of a man of war. They no longer wear the breastplate of valor. They were now cowards because God had destroyed their vitality, their ability to get up and fight his people. And yet, this wasn't a well-trained army, but they had the greatest leader there is. Amen? Moving right along. And at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Folks, circumcision represents that God has got to go in and cut some stuff away from you. There are still old habits that God said, I'm not pleased with. There are things in your life that I need to get rid of. Why? Because God is holy. Are you understanding that, boys and girls, when I say holy? That means God does not sin. In Numbers chapter 23, even the false prophets said that God is not a man, that he should what? Lie. Now, when a false prophet named Balaam says that, and it's true, you better be listening. Amen? Because he made a believer out of me, made that jackass talk. Hello. Yeah, I'd say it in church. Go tell somebody the preacher cussed in church. Then tell them to go do the biology. Amen? So here it is. 
circumcision. Sometime God has got to take the knife of the spirit to us in order to move us to the place where he wants us to be. Before God can move Israel into the presence of the people of Jericho, before Joshua could get out front and lead this nation, God had to do some spiritual circumcision in them. 3,500 years later, 2017, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is still looking for people to circumcise. He's still looking for boys and girls who are willing to say, here I am, Lord. Circumcise me. Do whatever you have to do to change my life for the glory of God the Father. Here I am. That's what he wants. So Joshua does this. The Bible tells you here and there. So Joshua made flint knives and did what for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskin. I won't go there. We'll just leave that one alone. And uh, this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. This is very important. This is the tangible part of God being made real for you. Okay. It says that all the people who came out of Egypt were males. All the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. It's interesting how Joshua is kind of looking back now and he's telling the story of the time that when God by Moses sent the 12 spies into the land of Canaan. You read about it in the book of Numbers and, and, and they came back with a bad report. Ten of them did. And they came back and they worried the people about saying, there are giants in the land and we're like grasshoppers to them, not knowing that their God is greater than any giant that they could face. But only two men caught the vision, Joshua and Caleb. And Caleb was the first one to speak up, did he not? He said, oh, but we can take them with the help of the Lord. And a giant take us in here today? Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. So because they had not hearkened to the Lord their God and wearied the people, God said for every day that the spies were in the land, which was 40 days, he said you would spend a year in the wilderness until all of you have died out. Those who were over 20, the men of war, Lord God said, I'm going to get you for what you've done to my people. You know who that's a message for? The message is for church leaders. Don't weary God's people with bad doctrine. Give God's people the pure word of God and allow the spirit of God to speak and do what God sent him to do. Don't quench the spirit. If God tells you to lay hands on somebody, you lay hands on somebody. If God tells you to speak in tongues, you speak in tongues. Yeah, I'm about to preach who just said that. Go tell him. I don't care. And if God tells you to interpret the tongues, then you interpret it. You do what thus said the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so, that was a problem with this nation. 
they struggled because they still had the remnants of Egypt in them. They still had the old Egyptian ways lingering in them. And they wanted to revert back to some of their old ways, but God said, not in my house. How do we equate that to 2017? When Jesus Christ comes into a man and woman's life, it is the spirit of the living God that brings about a change. And the Bible tells us, behold, all things have been what? Passed away and all things have become what? New. You become a new creation. Praise God. So God has to do some cutting away. Because the world is still in you. Amen. Amen. And so as we look at this, you sure you turn that AC on, brother? <laughs> <laughs> my glass is about to slip off my head. <laughs> anyway. You're getting all fired up. So it says for all the people who came out of who had came out had been circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. Circumcision was a way of God saying, you are my people. That's what God was saying to him. And you need to know that you're my people. And let me tell you something what circumcision did on end. It shed blood. Hello. It brought pain. What did that represent? That in the future there would be what? Shed blood to circumcise the entire human race. And the pain would come from Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go ahead and give God some glory. And so... Don't be afraid to magnify the Lord. Verse 6. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness to all the people who were men of war. Folks, do not let preachers tell you that all those who were over 20 died. The Bible is very specific here. Men of war. These were the fighters, the soldiers. God said, I'm going to take you out. You won't fight for me. You won't fight for anybody. So he took them out. This is their children that Joshua is now leading. What came out of Egypt were, were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. To whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us. A land flowing with milk and honey. People, God got a land that's promised. And you know, the only way that you can get there, there was one who said on the night in which he was betrayed, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The Father is the promised land. And you cannot get there without Jesus. Amen. I don't care what religion you are. If you don't have Jesus, you're not going to see God as your father. Oh, you'll see him all right, but he won't be the one that you think he is. And definitely ain't no seven versions going to be sitting up in there either. Hello. 
Look on. You're hearing Joshua give a very powerful sermon to the nation of Israel. And he's speaking as the Spirit of God is speaking through him. Listen and see what God is doing. And as God is speaking in this text to the nation of Israel, what is God saying to you? Open your spiritual ears and listen and hear what the Spirit of God, which essentially is the Spirit of Christ. What is Jesus saying to you through this message? Look on. Verse 7. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were what? Hell. Sometimes God doesn't want you to do anything until he has done a healing in you. This young lady has the gift of healing and she knows that better than anybody in here. Sometimes God wants you to just stay put until his spirit has done a work in you. Too often we're going to move very fast, very swiftly, and we outrun the Spirit of God. And the Holy Ghost will stand back and just look at you. And when you fall on your face and you come back and say, Lord, help me, he go, I was, but you ran off and left me. Any witnesses in here? I'm one of them. You have to wait when the Spirit is moving. When he said advance, you advance. When it says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, guess what he means? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. As we're moving along. So they've been healed. In verse 9, then the Lord said to Joshua or to Yeshua, this day. I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Jesus on the cross, when he said to his father, it is finished. He was saying to the human race, I have rolled the reproach of sin from you. Nothing else needs to be done. Why? Because it is finished. Powerful words. Other words, look at this thing carefully. The Lord God came down and he rescued Israel spiritually. That's what just happened. The same thing that his son Jesus would do on the cross. He came and rescued the human race spiritually. There's a parallelism there. You just got to look for it. You remember that, Miss Linda, parallelism? Look for them in the scriptures. They're alive and well. Amen. So this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of that place is called Gigal to this day. Sometimes we have to go back to Gigal. 
What do I mean by that? Alex, sometimes you got to go back and remember when the Lord saved you. You got to go back and remember that day. Where were you when the Lord knocked on the door of your heart? Where were you when he said, come here, my daughter. I have a place of eternal rest for you. And you'll find it in the loving arms of my son, Jesus. And the spirit didn't allow you to walk there by yourself. But he personally carried you into the arms of Christ. And at that moment, you said, yes, Jesus. And Jesus wrapped his loving arms around you and said, my daughter, my son, I have begotten you this day. And the heavenly angel, the heavenly scribe wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. Isn't that precious? So you have to remember where God has brought you from. Not by human works. Not by human thoughts nor by human blood, other human seed, but strictly by the will of God. Let's go on. We're going to do communion in a few minutes. We never know how far the Spirit is going to take us in the message. She goes on. Now the children of Israel camped in Gidgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. This probably was their 41st Passover celebration because their first Passover took place on the night in which God said, I'm going to strike the firstborn of Egypt, of every man and of a beast, and I'm going to cast judgment against the gods of Egypt. You didn't know God had said that. He was going to strike the spirit world too. Did In Exodus 12, 12, he says it. You go, ooh, Satan got a butt whooping that night too. Uh-huh. At least his clones did. God said, I'm going to get you. Amen. Moving right along. So it is at twilight and on the plains of Jericho. And it was at that time in which God did something amazing for the nation of Israel. He was about to teach them to take care of themselves by themselves, but they were yet dependent upon him. In other words, he was about to grow them up. He was about to make them a mature people. Okay? Instead of always running to daddy saying, give me, give me, give me. God said, uh-uh. I'm going to teach you how to do it yourself. So he's transitioned them from the manna to faith. Do you see this now? Listen here. Watch what God does to a people that he had to feed like infants. Now they're going to walk and live like adults. That's what Jesus says he wants for all of his children. You're no longer children being fed with what? Baby food. But it's now time to do what? Grow up. Mm -hmm. Let's listen. This is 
this is absolutely wonderful news from heaven. It's saying they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover. God said, you're grown now. <laughs> you're able to eat what? Adult food. So, so there it is, boys and girls, young men. Go and get it yourself. I've already taken care of the harvest. Ain't God good? Unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten. The produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had what? Manna. But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Uh, we're waiting on some folks to still grow up, ain't we? <laughs> we're saying, God, when you going to help that child? And sometimes we look in the mirror and say, God, when you going to help me? Amen? We still struggle sometimes with elementary things. And the Lord God, continually by Jesus Christ our Lord, grows up. Amen? Amen. The moment that you stop growing is the moment you shut your spirit to the Holy Ghost. It's that moment you told God, I know that all I need to know about you. I don't need to know anymore. And you just put yourself in a very dangerous position. Not only have you disrespected God with that kind of attitude, but you open yourself up to demonic attacks. That's what you did. But when you fall on your face and humble yourself before God continuously, then God will move in your behalf. Jesus will say, oh, that's my daughter calling for me. What do you want, child? How can I help you? Kind of like blind Bartimaeus on the same plane. Did you know Bartimaeus got healed in the same plane? Near Jericho? Several hundred years into the future? When that blind man said, Son of David! Have mercy on me! And the crowd tried to shut him up and Jesus said, Go get him. And they brought that blind man to him, Mr. Bill. And here's something, I know I'm off the path right now, and that's okay. I told y'all I was going to preach for three hours. <laughs> here's what God said. You know, he said, go get him. You know, you can stop God in his tracks. But the mess did that day. When he said, son of David. He called him by his messianic name. What he was saying was, Messiah! And he called God's attention. And God said, go and bring him to me. And when they did, this is the question, brother, that you always want to ask God. And you want God to ask you the question. He said, what is it that you want me to do for you? How many people want God to say that to them? What is it you want me to do for you? What would you say? For Bartimaeus, the most precious thing of all was, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said, you go, boy. <laughs> Jesus said, let it be according to your faith. And immediately, Bartimaeus received his sight. I'm telling you, boy. Go ahead on. Preaching over there. And then he did what? 
he followed the Lord. He had never saw Jesus before. And he knew, I must follow him. Let's go on and see the end part of this. Let's see what God got in store for Joshua. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold. Now understand the position that Joshua's in right now. Joshua is in the position of a commanding general. He's scoping out the enemy. And he's looking over the battlefield and seeing how Israel is to attack this city. And he's out there by himself. And he's watching. And he doesn't know that someone else is watching him. And when Joshua got to the place in which God wanted him, then all of a sudden the staircase of heaven opened up and down came this great and mighty warrior. And he stood there with his battle dress on. And he was standing and he turned and he faced Joshua. And he made sure Joshua saw him. Listen to the language, Maurice Nelson. Joshua is a soldier. He's a combat soldier. He had already fought the Amalekites. So he knows battle. And now he's contemplating going into another battle. But he didn't know that the God that was in the cloud and the God that was in the fire is about to show up as a soldier. Because God had promised them, as I was with Moses, I shall also be with you. But he didn't know how he was going to show up. Because when the pillar cloud went away and the pillar fire went away, whoa, what are we going to do? God said, so do you know that the title in which Jesus gives Joshua is going to let Joshua know that I'm going in battle with you. You're not going by yourself. Listen at the title. Some of you have been fighting situations for a long time. And God is saying, you've been going without me. Now it's time for you to allow me to go with you. Amen. As we closing this out, watch what he says. So he saw a man that stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. What does that mean, Maurice Nelson? He had a sword drawn and he's standing erect. What is he? Say it again. What is he? He's ready to go. He's ready for battle. Jesus is always ready to fight on our what? Behalf. The Bible tells us he is always standing between us and God. Doing what? Pleading our case. So he's fighting another battle for us in heaven. And yet, when we get in trouble on earth, the Lord is saying, all you got to do is call. Joshua didn't even have to call. Jesus showed up. 
Sometimes you don't have to call. You go, where did that come from? Amen? Amen. Closing out. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? The word adversary properly translated means anti-righteous. Anti-righteous. Anti-dekakis. Anti-righteous. So Joshua said, are you for us or the unrighteous ones? Listen what Yahshua says to Yahshua. Did you get that? Joshua just met Joshua. In other words, Joshua met Jesus 1,500 years before the children of Israel did in Jerusalem. Before John the Baptist did, Joshua met Jesus. And he didn't see him as a baby in a manger. Amen. Closing out. So he said, this is Jesus. No, but as commander of the army of the Lord have I now come. What does that mean? Jesus said, do you know my credentials? Mr. Willie, you're a man of the military, Mike. Jesus just told Joshua, I am the commander general of all those angels in heaven. I'm their leader. I'm their commander in chief. And I have come down to you. So if Jesus came, guess who else is in the background? Hello, somebody. Are oh, you getting this? All of the armies of heaven are in the background. If their commander show up, you better bet the army going to show up. And where the hell at right now? They're fearful. At this time, Jericho is knocking their knees alike. And they ain't dancing either, folks. But then the commanding general of heaven reminded Joshua something that he had reminded his other son Moses 40 years earlier. He said, take your shoes off for the ground that you're standing is holy ground. What did he just say to Joshua? God just showed up. Did y'all get that? That God himself just showed up. Oh, somebody heard it. That's what he was saying. That God himself just showed up. And a lot of you need to know that in your life today. When you least expect it, God will show up. Don't let modern day preaching fool you that God don't make visits to the earth anymore. Hello, somebody. 
Who do you think the Holy Ghost is? <laughs> Hello. Twelve men realized. In fact, 120 people realized that God had showed up on the day of what? Pentecost. And they began to speak with new tongues as he gave them the strength, the utterance to do so. And the crowd in Jerusalem also knew that God had showed up. Now, who are these people? Who are they? They're speaking in our tongue. Are they all not Galileans? And yet we hear them speaking our language? Someone from Mesopotamia? Someone from Cappadocia? Rome? You name it. Every nation represented under the sun was in Jerusalem. They said, look, we all hear them speaking in our tongue. Do you know God had did something? Instead of God quieting the tongues, God gave them tongues. Y'all caught the Tower of Babel in that first statement? It's in the scriptures. So Joshua them, they understood the Passover meal. They didn't know, Joshua didn't know that Yahshua himself would have another meal. The night in which he was betrayed, Jesus would have a meal. And you would share that with his disciples. But it wouldn't be in an ordinary Passover meal. This meal would be a meal of a promise. Promise that as I showed up with Joshua, instead of leaving the children of Israel behind, he said, this time when I come back, I'm going to take you with me. And we're going to drink the cup afresh together in my father's kingdom. So that's where we are now. So that day, Joshua had to get Israel together to circumcise them. Circumcision reminded them that they served God who's holy and that they were sinners and that they had to come out of their old sinful Egypt ways and come into the purity of God. That's what he was telling them. That's what was done. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's what Jesus is telling us today. As we prepare our hearts and mind for communion. In fact, the word communion in the language is not really there. What it is, is fellowship. Fellowship at the Lord's table is the proper Greek word there. Not communion. Communion is a Latin word, which means common. And so here we have it. What did Jesus do that night in which he was betrayed? If you want to follow along with me in your Bibles, just for a second, I want you to understand, uh, Matthew does a good recording of it, so does Luke. But we'll use Matthew's account today. Starting at verse 25, chapter 26, verse 25, we'll begin to look. But interesting point here for you, that night in which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, 
He was going to say something so unique that night, but what did his prayer focus on? See, our English understanding of what took place that night kind of watered down things a little bit. But the Lord wants us to get the full measure of what he was saying to his people that night at that table. So I went back and I began to study the Hebrew. And I'm going to read to you what that prayer that our Lord Jesus Christ said is he took the bread, the matzah, and he broke it. And he did something so unique. He gave the, bach, the, the, the baruch in which I'm going to read to you the prayer in which Jesus was saying that night. He said it twice. One, it says the blessings, and the other one says think, but it was the same prayer. You got to understand when Jesus said this prayer, this blessing, he blessed his father first. And every Jew, even today, understand what that prayer is. We would just say, Lord, I thank you for the body of my Lord that was broken. Now Jesus said, no, 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 it's deeper than that. You got to get the full meaning of why I said these words. Because I want you to feel, not just hear, I want you to feel what my Father has done for you through me. And he was making a connection with the people of Israel with God himself. That's what this prayer is. Listen. Baruch Atah Adonai Eleanor, Mekha Ha Alam Hamateze, Elohim Machach Aritz. Interpretation. Blessed are Lord our God, ruler of the universe who brings forth bread from the earth. He just connected God to them as the creator God, that everything in the earth belongs to God and the fullness thereof. And it's saying God, who is the creator, who is the ruler of the universe, has just come down and blessed you with the elements of this world. And to make it even more precious to the church today. So not only did he bring forth bread from the earth, but he brought forth the bread of life from heaven. Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Let us pray. Every head bow. On the night in which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, the Apostle Paul tells us, before we go through this, this sharing of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and his blood, let every man first examine himself. Meaning, if you have unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your life, this is your opportunity to tell God, I'm sorry. And to truly come out of that. Tell Lord Jesus, I repent. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your moment. You don't have to remain an unsaved person. This is your opportunity. He inviting you to the table of life now because Jesus is the bread of life that came down from heaven. And he's here to say to you, whether you're a man or woman, he's saying to you, I want you to be my son. Or he's saying to the woman, I want you to be my daughter. Will you yield your life to me right now? Knowing that God, my father, had sent me 
And I died on the cross and I shed my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And knowing that on the third day, my father, God himself, raised me from the dead. That is the testimony of God that I am his son. Because I'm not dead, I am alive. Let's pray. Baruch Atatah Adonai Elohenu Malik HaOlam Hamatzizi Lehem My Hacharis Blessed are the Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. On the night in which the Lord was betrayed, he took bread in this manner and he broke it. And he gave it the matzah to his disciples. Father, we thank you for the body of your son Jesus that was broken for us. And by your stripes, Jesus, we are healed. And at this very moment, Lord, when we take this communion, we are not only identifying, but we are unifying ourselves with you. We'll become one with your body. There's no sickness and no disease in your body. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for having your body broken for us. And like mine, he took the cup, and I'll go through this with you again in just a second. And it says, this is the cup of the New Testament, or the New Covenant, that was shared for you for the forgiveness of sin. And it said, and he gave thanks. This is the same prayer that Jesus gave. Let's pray. Baruch atatah Adonai Elohimnu Malik HaOlem HaMozid Lehem my HaAritz Blessed are you, Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And Jesus said, do this as often as you remember me. Brother Dave, are you able to help David Clinton pass out communion? I read to you now from the scriptures. Some churches prohibit children from taking communion. But I say to you that there's nowhere in Scripture which says children cannot take communion. It's nowhere listed. Jesus says, as often as you remember, do this in remembrance of me. That included children. Paul just cautions us saying that if you got sin, don't take it because you are not discerning of the Lord's body. Amazing thing the Lord did that night. Pray now, pray in the spirit as you're sitting. Yes, Father, thank you, Jesus. Deliver us this day from our sins. Wash us afresh, Lord Jesus. Cleanse us and renew us 
by your spirit. Fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. We need you, Lord. We need you. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed and broke it. And say so he said this prayer to his father Baruch Atata Adonai Elohim Malik Haolem Hamatzi Lahim by Ha Aritz. Blessed are the Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Take and you eat all of it. In like manner, it says, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them. Here's the thanks that it says, Baruch Ata Ananai Elohim, Malikha Olim, Hamotzi, Lehim my Haritz. Blessed are our Lord God, ruler of the universe, who bring forth bread from the earth. Drank all of it. And the final thing that our Lord them did that night before they went to the Mount of Olives where he would subsequently be betrayed. They saying they sing psalms. Now, I'm not going to lead you a song because some of y'all will be laughing at me. That's not important to me. But here's what the Jews would have sung that night, and they still do it at the Passover at the Seder. Here's it's called the Hale, H-A-L-L-E-L, -L -E which stands for praise. And guess what it is? It's Psalms 113 to Psalms 118. So if you want to sing, here they are. <laughs> Amen. Now, oh, about to trip over the dustman. Uh, interesting thing that I found, though, there's a discrepancy between our English translation of Psalms 117 than what's actually in the Hebrew. What's in the Hebrew, Psalms 117 is very long. We only have, I think, two verses of it. What is it? Psalms 117. Yeah, two verses. But it's not so in the Hebrew. The way the Jews say it. It's longer. And there's certain stanza of that they repeat. That's probably what makes it longer. And they, they would have uh, sung this song that night at the Passover dinner. Interesting point, huh? So, after communion, y'all can get your Bibles and walk down the street singing. Okay? <laughs> and I think you all uh, enjoyed it. All heads and mind, focus on the Lord.
Dick and Clint, I'll close us out. God has been good to us today, hasn't he? Powerful word from God. And so let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you allowed your children to come into your presence. Lord, you spoke to us from heaven, Lord Jesus, where you yourself showed up on that battlefield to Joshua. And you strengthened Joshua for the battle. And that you were showing him that you were with him always. Just as you promised your disciples on that day, up there in Galilee, you said when you told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to make disciples of every nation and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. And you told them to teach them to observe everything that you have taught them. And you said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the ages. And Lord, you still hold true to that promise today in 2017 that you are with us and we are your children. We're the evidence that you're with us. And so, Lord, thank you. And fill us with the Holy Ghost. Give us power from on high to go out and share the same message with someone else that Joshua was with Joshua that day on the plains of Jericho. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.